Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we come, your people, gathered in your presence, remembering your grace, remembering your mercy. And Lord, I declare grace and peace over everyone that meets in the Mosaic this afternoon. For everyone who's part of our community and scattered around the world, we declare grace and peace. We're not sure what's happened with Ken Rita, but we declare grace and peace into that situation. Father, oh, may you bring them back rejoicing at the wonders you've shown them. Lord, we welcome you in our, in our midst. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We thank you for Caroline. We thank you for the hard work that she would put in during this week to feed on your word. And would we feed on, on her hard work this afternoon? Jesus, would you teach us to go, teach us to go deeper into your word, to think about themes, to think about what you would have for us this afternoon? And Lord, most of all, we welcome you. We love you. We declare that you're our Lord and our Saviour. And we're thankful for your presence now. And all those people said? Amen. Amen. Um, sometimes it's a bit, um, a bit worrying, but when you're given like a freedom of hand to speak on whatever you want to, rather than you're given a topic or you're, you're finding your way through a book, or um, and uh, so I, when I thought about one of the things, or one of the foundation things about Mosaic is we encourage regular daily Bible reading and that can be done in a variety of ways um, we encourage things like having an overview of the Bible so we had um, the E100 um, Bible that people read I don't know everyone found their way through it but 100 readings all the way through the Bible and one of the other things that as um, a, a mosaic team we would recommend is occasionally when you have maybe extra time like on holiday is to maybe look a bit deeper into the Bible because it's easy to have like you might have an app or um, like I've got a, um, a daily reading book and my uh, the one I'm using at the moment gives me a uh, passage from the Old Testament, passage from the New Testament, psalm from it every day. So I've been um, and so the whole Bible has been divided up into those chunks. You can get the same idea of the same kind of thinking where it's 365 readings, but in chronological order. So sometimes I'll do that. Um, but I'll, the other thing that I do is occasionally I will, I'll be reading something and then we, uh, a thought strikes me and I think, oh, that's interesting. And what I would encourage is when you have a bit more time, is to think about like a theme or a topic, um, a maybe a person. Um, now it could be like maybe your musical, so you might look up music. Now you will need some kind of help, and I've talked to Steve, and he's going to put in the email that he sends around. If there's like a free app or something if you want into music technology, in my case, it's um, a thing called the Concordance which is a book list, um, essentially. It's a list of all words. Um, my Bible that I've used has actually got a very small one in the back. And it will give you places in the scripture where that word occurs. So that's very helpful if you want to do a bit of study. Um, and it's interesting where it can lead you. Now, Sharon's um, fundamental belief that hospitality is crucial to her Christian faith and witness 
has resulted in a number of things. It's resulted in the chaplaincy attending, it's resulted in Gamma, and it's resulted in a book, and it's resulted in her opportunities at conferences and retreats to share what is important to her about the theme of hospitality. So when we actually go deeper into something, we have no idea where that might end up. So, with that in mind, what we're going to look at is something that I'm interested in, obviously, because um, I wouldn't look at something I wasn't interested in, because I wouldn't know if I wasn't interested in it, really. Um, and it's something that I was fascinated with, I guess, as a child, and really began to be interested in when I was probably 13 or 14. Um, it's a mixture of chemistry and mystery, or magic, I was going to say, but I can't use that word. Um, it comes in all sorts of shapes and forms, and it occurs all around the world. It's great. And it's a very interesting thing. Um, most continents in the world have their own types of bread. Um, it's made of different grains, um, made in different shapes, made in different um, ways. Like some's baked in an oven, some is put on a, um, a hot kind of metal plate, um, some's baked in a a different, a different sorts of ovens. And when I was about 13, I guess, it was the first time I had the opportunity to make bread, and it was at school. And in our, uh, what we did was housecraft, it was called, um, now it's the food technology, whatever that is, I mean, how can food be technology? And anyway, foods for eating um, and enjoying. Um, I learned to make bread, and from that moment, that really was kind of, I like this. this, this is interesting. And like I said, that is the mix of chemistry, because there is chemistry involved in it, but then there's also an unknown quantity, it's almost like chaos theory, because um, you can use the same recipe time and time again, and each time you do it, that bread will come out different. And I looked into this, because um, it intrigues me, um, and we're going to kind of, uh, I'll come back to bread per se, um, when we have a look at some biblical things. So, anyone like to tell me where the very first mention of bread is in the Bible? Anyone got an idea, a guess, thought? And I'm talking about bread as in grain, ground up, mixed with water and made into an edible commodity. I'm not talking about bread, because often it's mentioned in the Bible, meaning food in general. Okay? Because the first mention of food in general, where it says bread, is after the fall, where God says to Adam, in the sweat of your face shall you eat bread. Meaning that now, as sin is native to the human heart, we to be native to the soil, and that's all you're going to get. Um, so, anyone want to has a where the next reference to bread might be. Not exactly. The word manna means what you call it. Because they didn't know what it was. So they, they called it, they said, oh look, it's what's name? And that's what manna means, what's name? We don't know what it is. But it was something kind of 
edible. They, it's described as being like honey wafers and. It's doing bread like. Bread like. It was kind of. The, the yeah. Plan, it goes to the scripture that Jesus is in there. So yeah. So it, there was something about it. Mm. So, yes, Lena? It's not first reference. I mean, you can find one before the one that I've got. Um, I'll bow to your superiority. No, it wasn't bread. It was, there was an offering of um, wheat. After the flood? No. Yeah, I was. I was well, you know, it's after the flood, and I was trying to. Yeah. Immediately in Joseph. No? Before Joseph. But after. Yeah, after the flood. Okay. Someone want to look up Genesis 14? That's one, but that's not the first one. The other thing is. When you're looking at a theme or a topic, the first place that the theme is mentioned in that you're looking at is often really, really significant, biblically, and in a godly way. And so this one is quite important, but it's also a bit of a mystery. So, would someone like to read Genesis 14, 18, sorry, 28 to, that'd be 30, wouldn't it? 18 to 20. Is it 18 to 20? Okay. Right, okay, let's have 18 to 20. So I'd like to read it out for you.
Salem is Jerusalem. Okay. So this is an interesting scenario, but what is it? Is there a Jesus thing that we can see in this? And if so, what is it? Okay, let's ask some questions. Sounds like the beginning. Sounds like the beginning of Christianity. It's the beginning of something. This priest. Now we we don't know why he's recognised as a priest. I'm, I'm imagining there was something about what he was wearing. He wasn't dressed in armour. Um, and there's a lot he doesn't tell us in this bit. Now, in the New Testament, we hear a lot about Melchizedek in the book of Hebrews, but I don't want to particularly go there at the moment. Who might we give a tenth to? So if you're living in these early times, who would you give, okay, an offering? Who would you give an offering to? Temple. Temple. What does the temple represent? A temple. Well, a god of some sort. A god. god. Yeah. Or you give, give it, you give it to some sort of king when you pay your taxes or something. Yeah. So you give your tax or your offering either to a king or to a god. Now, it, it obviously was not a king because it tells us that. And there's something that he does, and it says he blesses Abraham. Now, in, a, um, in Scripture and in the church, often a blessing is given from, um, uh, like, if you're a minister in the church, you, you may bless your congregation. So there's something about an authority that rests on the person who's giving the blessing. Um, if you go to an Anglican church, the vicar, uh, there are certain formulas and words that they will be using to bless the congregation. And here we have Abraham being blessed by this character. And bearing in mind, this is a battle has just taken place. This is kind of almost like you know, time stands still, um, that you can be in a situation where particularly, um, I think, in relation to God, where God may be speaking to you, and the, the rest of the room seems to kind of receive. And it's almost like everything is receiving, and we're seeing something happen. And we see Avram and Melchizedek sharing bread and wine together, and obviously we are looking for the whispers of Jesus. Here's the whisper of, of bread and wine sabbath celebration and of the last supper um, melchizedek gives a blessing abraham gives him a tenth there's a recognition somewhere on the part of abraham and he seems to have this sort of something about him like abraham's got antenna to recognize it as the presence of god and um, it happens to him a bit further on uh, which we won't look at, but we have looked at it on Sunday before, where 
he's sitting outside his tent and suddenly these three characters come along. And that'd be one of the places where bread is mentioned because um, Avram recognises there is something about these visitors. They're not just any bedouin who happen to be passing through. And he invites them into the tent and says to his wife, go and make, um, take three measures of fine flour. It's not just ordinary everyday. Fine flour, really, like, be the difference between wartime flour, which is called national flour, which is quite um, rough, like a very rough wholemeal, compared with um, hunkai, you know, great grains made fine flour. And so she was sent off to get the hunkai flour and make fine bread, special bread, because Avram recognised there was something about these visitors. And he seems to have this antenna, um, and this is the first place that we see him actually seemingly encountering someone who has some godlike qualities about them. Now, mo- many Christians would say that this is actually an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. That Jesus did not suddenly come into being when he was born as a baby in Bethlehem. That was very alliterative. Um, so, Jesus has always been Father, Son, Holy Spirit from eternity to eternity. But it would seem that whenever God enfleshes himself, it seems to be Jesus. And so there are places in Scripture, and we may look at that at some point, about places in Scripture where Jesus seems to appear in a human form. And many Christians believe that this is one of those appearances. Okay, so bread. First appearance of bread seems to be very significant. So, um, bread seems to have a place in the life of this person whose name is whispered in the stories. When um, the people of Israel uh, went into Egypt, uh, Joseph, amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, anyone familiar with that? No, that's all right. So, um, the people of Israel, um, the uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob has 12 sons, uh, one of them is Joseph, Joseph uh, is telling tales on his brothers, gets sold to the Ishmaelites, ends up in Egypt, becomes prime minister, um, and famine is across the land because Pharaoh had a dream as he was standing on the banks of the river and said that that's famine out of and um, the, um, the famine was widespread. The other sons of Jacob said, we're all starving. Um, they'll go to Egypt. Um, J- uh, Joseph is revealed to them as prime minister. They find out who he is. They all live in Egypt. It's all happy for a while. Then suddenly there's a pharaoh who pretends not to understand all the animals of the kingdom because they kept the library. They wrote down everything that happened. And it says he didn't know Joseph. Well, that was a big fat lie. He just chose to ignore the fact that Joseph had existed. And so they become slaves in Egypt. And then go down Moses, way down in Egypt's land, and tell old Pharaoh to let my people go. So Moses is called by God, burning bush, um, encounter with God, bring the people out of Egypt. And they, they were an amorphous group of clans. They may have lived in their family groups. They may not have 
they also had amongst these slaves that they gained in Egypt. And they came through the Red Sea, um, and there they were. And God gave them um, rules. He gave them, um, what do you call it, a method of worship, a place of worship. They built this big tent, and it was like a portable church or a portable temple. They were given um, a, someone to look after them. God said, I will be your king, effectively. Um, and this is how you must worship me. So they built this amazingly beautiful tent. And it had objects in it. All, they were made of wood and covered in gold and um, bronze and silver. And beautiful fabric embroidered. So in Exodus 25, we find out one of the things that's in this place of worship. So I will read this one Exodus 25, 23. You shall make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its width, and a cubit and a half its height. A cubit is um, about 18 inches. It's a distance from your fingers to your elbow. If your fingers to your elbow, approximately. You shall overlay it with gold, make moulding of gold all round. You shall make it for a frame um, of hand breadth all round, and you shall make gold moulding for frame all round. You shall make it four rings of gold. Put the rings on four corners that are on its four legs. So each leg has got a ring on it, and that's so the poles can go through it so it can be carried. The ring shall be close to the frames, holders for the poles to bear the table. And you shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and the table may be carried with them. You shall make its dishes, its pans, its pitchers, and bowls for pouring. You shall make them of pure gold. And you shall set the showbread on the table. Before the audience. So, on this table, there are 12 loaves of bread. Are you okay with that? <laughs> now, think about it. This is God. This is the maker of the universe. This tent is full of amazing gold fine twine linen, embroidery, it's, I mean, some of the things are actually made out of solid gold, beaten into a shape. And on this table are loaves of bread. Why not silver and gold? Why not jewels? Surely that would be the fitting thing in the presence of Almighty God. Any thoughts? Oh, what does the bread represent? Yeah. Yeah. What does the bread represent? Twelve apostles. Yeah. Or Twelve somethings. Yeah. But even so. Okay. Is not life. Yeah. Okay. Staff of life. Yeah. Twelve loaves, twelve tribes of Israel. Okay. But why? Is it because it rises and God rose? Jesus rose. <laughs> 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 
in the Old Testament, so it's yeah. a lot of them will be done. Got the word humble. Um, yeah. yeah. Humble. Humility, humble. It's yeah. yeah. One of the um, in the Bible, um, a little bit in the, the law, uh, but a whole load when the prophets get going because the people are worshiping idols. There is one people group that the prophets hone in on again and again that we should regard that we should take notice of, and that we should look after. Our all people, poor people, poor people. Yeah. I think it's. I really think it's got lots of imagery. The one I'm coming for today, at this moment, is that out of all the things like around the world, um, bread. Is the sort of minimum thing that the poor can buy. And one of the problems we had in this country, like um, in the past, that people were so poor and so hungry, sometimes they starve a loaf of bread and they would be in prison for it or even executed. Um, and that's a really awful thing, and that's the, probably the worst treatment that you could uh, give to the poor. But bread is the most humble, basic. Um, kind of thing of life, and nearly every country and people group, if they haven't got bread, they certainly got um, a caloric staple of some kind, whether it's a starchy tuba, whether it's ugali or rush or I can't remember the other names for it now, um, which is made of a maize. But there's some kind of um, staple like that that is the monopoly of the, the food of the poor. I mean, even like pizza. Um, that you know, you go and pay a lot of money for that in a restaurant, that's the food of the poor. Um, it's not the food of the wealthy. So it is interesting that God had chosen in all this beauty and splendor that one thing should be, and it says it's the bread before the face of God. Because God is always concerned for the poor. And through us, he wants to meet the needs of the poor. And so I believe that there are, there are lots of messages that we can read into this. And if you searched it out for yourself and you've looked at it another day, God will tell you something quite different. But I believe that this is what God is putting before, he put before himself. He was reminded constantly of the poor. When the priest went in to burn incense in that bit where the table of showbread was, and one of the names for it is the bread before the face. Um, it's, the, it's translated as bread of the presence, but it's the bread before the face of God. And one of the things that we're encouraged to ask for is give us our daily bread. We're not asked, we don't ask give us our daily Rolls Royce and you know, daily caviar. No, it's daily bread, the, the most basic of things that we can have. Okay. Um, when was Jesus born? It's not a trick question. Where was Jesus born? Mm. The city of David, um, because David was born there, and he kind of made that um, 
and that became his sort of place. Um, and although he, he lived um, in Jerusalem, but the city of David um, had a, a significance. Mary and Joseph were descendants of David. So when Caesar Augustus said we're going to have a census, um, and usually a census was to find out who was of military age, um, they went to Bethlehem. And while they were there, Jesus was born. Um, it was in a very fertile area, and it was called Bet Lehem. And Bet is house, Lehem is bread. So this area was called the house of bread. And Jesus was born in the house of bread, which is interesting. Any thoughts on Jesus and bread? It's a common theme. It's a common theme. Right. Name some. Associations with Jesus and bread. You've already had one. Last one. Yeah. Feeding the 5,000. Feeding the 5,000. Feeding the 4,000. And the 4,000. Last supper. Last supper. And bread of life. Bread of life. Yeah. Didn't we? Well, because it was Jewish, when they had their um, Shabbat, Sabbath, Sabbath meal, the, um, it was uh, customary, and still is, if you're in a Jewish household, you have bread and wine on the table. Um, and there's a, a special loaf called a challah, which is um, a, a bread um, enriched with eggs, usually in a uh, fatty. It's a really nice bread. And that's shared. Um, and the family, bless each other, um, and it's that kind of uh, celebration that we sort of see that cropping up um, in Jesus' life. So Jesus, the bread of life, you know, we would expect bread to be um, significant in stories around him. So, um, I guess want to encourage you, looking at these principles, where's the first place that something occurs? Every story whispers Jesus' name. You could carry on and look at bread. I've only picked out a couple of very brief examples of where bread occurs. Um, and I'd encourage you to look at something in depth. Not um, you know, as well as daily Bible reading. Give yourself a bit of a challenge, or when you've got time, authority, um, pursue a train of thought. Think about something you're interested in, fabric, embroidery, metalwork, musical instruments, singing, choirs, food, like I said, Sharon's um, pursuit of the idea of hospitality has led to all kinds of amazing things that God's done. Now, bread today, um, if you want a decent loaf of bread, unfortunately, you have to go and something called artisan bread, um, which is, when I was a child, what is now artisan bread was bread. You know, it didn't go moldy, it went sort of hard and stale, but it didn't go green and furry. And that's because mechanised bread is pumped full of water, additives, 
It's made by intense agitation. And to me, it's a very good picture of life today. That it is full of agitation. It's got things in it we don't want. Um, and it doesn't take any time. You can turn out about, I think it's 3,000 loaves of bread an hour come out of mechanised bread making. Uh, Chorleywood was the first factory to make mechanised bread. And Christian life and discipline are like artisan bread. Um, there's a minimum requirement, and mostly it's Jesus. And it, it takes time. So, can I encourage you, uh, during this summer, uh, as you have time, dig deeper into God's Word. Um, maybe follow a train of thought and see where that leads you. Okay? Father, we thank you that you are um, you are easily to be found, Lord, but also you're one who loves to be pursued. And Father, thank you for the the time that you have given us. Lord, you've given us eternity, and you have sought after us. And now, Father, we want to seek more of you. We want to seek more of your presence in our lives. We want to be those who take time. We want to be those who will turn our backs on the, the agitations and the, um, the things that don't make for um, relationship with you. And so far we ask that you help us um, in this uh, summer, um, if we have, as we have time, help us to pursue you and to pursue your arm in your work. And Lord, as we do that, will you reveal your heart to us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Caroline.